0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. And whenever you fast, now look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. amen today marks our entry point to a season a season of preparation a season of lent we prepare ourselves for the celebration that is easter by taking upon ourselves a veritable trinity of personal piety practices whether it be almsgiving Prayer or fasting, we do these things with renewed vigor so that we may be ready to enter into the time of Easter, the time of resurrection. We are reminded today of our own mortality and the tradition of putting a cross on our foreheads made of ashes. The challenge I have today, the challenge I have every year is that probably a few hours from now, you, like me, will go home and wash your face before going to bed. Because you don't want the ashes to get on your pillowcase, right? Just like about seven weeks from now, We will cast aside these three piety practices. Our focus on them will wane as we enter into the season of Easter. And we'll pack them up until it is next Lent. and we're ready to re-engage once more. Renewed in our, our practices of prayer and almsgiving and fasting. The challenge is this if Easter is truly to be celebrated each and every Sunday, if the resurrection is truly a gift that transforms our lives, not just Sundays, but every day, then don't we need something greater than a personal act of piety one day a year? Don't we need something bigger than this little brief stint that is Lent? And I'm reminded of this challenge as Jesus talks with his disciples here today as we pick back up on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, you see, isn't preparing his disciples to enter into a season of Lent. He's preparing his disciples for a lifetime of discipleship, a new way of living each and every single day. And this life looks different. The reward is not a trophy for being the most religious. The reward becomes a genuine sense of communion and community with the Lord's own self. Salvation is no longer self-achieved, but fully realized when we cast ourselves aside. The treasures that lie within aren't to be put in display cases for all to see, but instead exist in the quiet peace of our hearts, a place where God and God alone can see. In other words, today, for Jesus, today, for the disciples, today, for us, isn't about just one day. It's not even just about a season. It is about a new way of living. A lifelong journey in Christ marked by the cross. And I love the way that Jesus lifts up the absurdity of religiosity. I love the way that he holds this conversation with the disciples, that he challenges their understanding of their faith and the practices therein. He talks about alms. He says, leave the brass bands at home. You don't need trumpets to help you give to those who are in need. Keep your generosity between (coughs) you and God, because these acts of generosity are meant to lift up the recipients, not yourself. He continues, and he talks about prayer. He says to us, give prayers that are genuine. Be in communion and communication with the Lord. Don't just pray long prayers because they look or sound good, which I will tell you as someone who edits prayers weekly is a relief to say the least. But you see, he says this because he wants to ensure the focus remains where it belongs. When we pray, it's not about lifting up ourselves, it's about lifting up those for whom we pray, or lifting up the God to whom we pray, who we offer our supplications, God to whom we offer our thanksgivings. And Jesus is so concerned that his disciples won't be able to figure this out, that he literally has to teach them to pray. You may notice, as I was reading the gospel, we skip a bunch of verses. You know what those verses were? Jesus teaching the disciples the Lord's prayer. A prayer that isn't about them, but about the Lord who teaches it whose name alone is hallowed, who's alone the one who's able to provide the sustenance needed daily, or better known, our daily bread. The Lord alone was able to forgive so that we may learn to forgive. And he talks about fasting. When it comes to fasting, he says don't make yourself look miserable. Don't do that to yourself. He says it's not about being miserable, it's about an understanding our dependence upon God. I love this translation don't disfigure your face, or don't make your face unrecognizable so that people recognize you. Because that's what we do, that's what they were doing contorting their faces, looking unrecognizable so that people would take notice. Because it's not about an empty stomach. It's about having a full heart. As I read this gospel tonight, as I prepared for this message this day, I find great comfort in Jesus being upfront and honest and exposing our imposter faith. Because truth be told, as your pastor, I suffer from imposter syndrome. I'm constantly worried that you're going to figure me out. That you're going to peel away the layers to the point where you reveal the true Zach and it's not the one that you expect or the one that you need. That you're going to find a fraud at my foundation. And what does this mean? It means that at every turn I doubt myself. I doubt the very ministry that I carry out. Is it what I've been called to do? Am I serving in the right way or in the right place? Am I doing my job? Am I serving the Lord as I thought the Lord has called me to serve? And it's hard. It's hard to live with that kind of a doubt. You want to know what ratchets your doubt up a little bit more? Going to a place surrounded by other pastors. <laughs> Seminary was a difficult process for me. Doubt that settled in from day one as I listened to my classmates share their call stories. Stories that dated back to profound divine intervention moments when I could barely figure out where to even start talking about why I'm in seminary. Colleagues who went to ELCA colleges and had religion degrees. Not Illinois State with a philosophy degree. I was surrounded by people who knew their bishops by first name. And I wasn't really sure where the bishop worked. (laughs) These are things that cast seeds of doubt. Concern grew as I realized in my classes I had no understanding of church history. If you asked me, what's Christology, then I would have said, I don't know. And if you ask me today, I know even less. (laughs) (laughs) And worship. I'd been to worship, but I knew nothing about worship. And yet there I was, leading and being asked to just go and create a liturgy to lead people in that communal act. And then, even worse than the educational side, is when you get out to the ministry side. Nothing more terrifying than being on internship or my first call and being asked to lead a youth group or to be the head of a youth trip, when I myself was never part of a youth group, when I myself didn't even realize that that there was such thing as Lutheran outdoor camps, and when the youth gathering I didn't realize was even a thing, as it turns out, a pretty big thing. And they're looking to me, to lead, to be the pastor, to be the one sharing youth, the faith with the youth, that next generation, may grow in faith like I did. Talk about imposter syndrome. Worried my whole life, I've worried my whole professional career the last decade or so about being exposed, but at its foundation, that's what Ash Wednesday is all about. It's about being exposed for who we really are, who God created us to be. And as it turns out, it's not as bad as it sounds. We were created out of dust, but not just dust, but through the very breath of God breathing the Spirit into that dust. Today, us dusty people are in many ways parodied by Jesus, shown what a false religiosity looks like that we may recognize our own true selves, that we are imposters. And yet, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth being an impostor isn't as bad as it sounds. Here again these words from his letter, we are treated as impostors and yet are true. As unknown and yet well known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making rich, as having nothing and yet possessing Everything. In a few moments, you're going to come forward. And myself and my assistant minister are going to smear ashes on your forehead. And we're going to say to you these words. Dust you came, dust you shall return. This is a reminder that you possess nothing. Not even your own life is yours. Because the one who gave it to you is the one who will one day take it back. And at the same time, the shape in which we make that ashen mark, the shape of the cross, the reminder that you already have everything. That you already have the resurrection. You already have the Easter promise. You already have anything you could ever want. Why? Because when we come here on Ash Wednesday, We're not here to gain God's favor for a day. Or when we take on these Lent practices, we're not here to to gain the accolades of the community for six or seven weeks. Instead, we're recommitting ourselves to living a Christ-like life each and every day, celebrating the grace that defines each and every day of our lives. So this year, my hope, and my prayer for you is that you're not just blessed tonight, that you're not just blessed during Lent, but that this way of Lent defines your way of life this day, every day, and always. Thanks be to God. Amen. (laughs)